often meekness is mistaken as weakness. Only goes um, by 11 seconds. <laughs> meekness is not weakness. Uh, I said this in a sermon one time. Uh, meekness is actually strength, but it's not uncontrolled and abusive strength. It is strength under control for the benefit of other people. It is power that is channeled to and for the good of others. Why, friends, am I so perky, energized, absolutely brilliant, and extraordinarily handsome? Because I, friends, take contrast showers and do cold plunges. The people who engage in these practices are trained professionals. Don't try this at home. I do it. Have you? You do now, Mark? I did it for years. And then I grew out of it. You're going through, you're going through, you guys going through a midlife crisis. I didn't go through a midlife crisis because I couldn't figure out when the middle of my life was. I can't no do place it. to put the crisis. Yes, where's the crisis go? What the hell am I going to live for? Yeah. Now, friends, that is a, a real genuine uh, disclaimer there. I don't want anyone to try this at ask home. Ask for medical professional yeah, advice. medical professionals because I don't want something to happen to someone. So you have but cold showers for in the me, yeah. So years ago, I went to, to these uh, indoor hot springs in Montana with a good friend of mine. And, you know, they had these pools and they went from like absolutely freezing cold, as cold as you can imagine, to scorching hot, like almost boiling, boiling your skin. And I just kept going back and forth in between them, you know, back and forth, back and forth. And I left that place Insane. feeling like a... <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> That's what it was. I left that place feeling like a brand new baby. And so years and years, this was like maybe, I don't know, 15 years ago. It was, it was, it was forever ago. I've been wanting to experience that again. I talk about it. Oh, I want to go to and do it. And then it dawned on me one day, I could do this in my shower. I could go between hot and cold. So I did it, and it felt amazing. And then I'm like, is this a thing? So I looked it up, and it is a thing. They call it contrast showers. And then now what I've been doing, I don't have a like a one of those plunge tubs or whatever. I'm not using ice cubes. But my pool right now is you pretty much... You do not go in your pool. Oh, I do. It's got to be freezing. Oh, freezing. Seriously, because... Yeah, so I'll go in the pool, and I, my record is 15 minutes. So I will go in up to my neck and just sit there. And the first minute, your body goes into shock. Like you, it's flight or fight or flight, right? I want, I want to do everything I can to get it's out. It's fight, flight, or freeze. In this case, freeze. Pretty much. And then I just, you know, I sit there and I just freeze. And then your body calms. And then at the last minute, I plunge into the pool, my whole head, and I swim for like a whole minute. Oh man, you get out, and it's like. What are the benefits of this? So it increases, it increases your uh, brown fat. Brown fat is, is, you know... The- I'm Hispanic. I know what brown fat is. <laughs> <laughs> you have mucho brown fat. Um, and I need no more of it. <laughs> but it, it helps, basically, it helps you to lose weight. It, it counteracts the white fat. Um, it, it boosts uh, endorphins. It boosts adrenaline, which, you know, gives you, you know, that, th- those just good feelings. It brings more clarity of mind. It increases your immune system, increases the white blood cells. Just, a yeah, clarity of mind. You feel alive, awake. I love it. I end on the cold shower. I think it's wonderful. It's done something for me. Every time I have hot, my hot shower in the mornings, I think how needed is not to have, to have a cold shower. <laughs> I just so enjoy it more. How stupid my son-in-law is. <laughs> Do you yeah. remember the quote from Charles, uh, Ronald Reagan about that? No. Any man who says he enjoys a cold shower is lying to you. <laughs> and that's the thing. I don't enjoy it. I enjoy the effect. Yes. Yeah. Mark, you've been doing it? Yeah. Not like that. I mean, I... I, I wouldn't mind going inside my jacuzzi when it's heated up, 
But that's in, what I would do. I, I don't a have jacuzzi. a jacuzzi. You do. Yeah. I would go back and forth between. It came them. with the house. Yeah, and Ooh. then I'd go into my indoor basketball court, and um, <laughs> and then when I'd go into the maids' quarters, yeah. and then I would hang out. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you have to pass the bowling alley to get that water <laughs> problem. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I don't. I don't do it as extreme as you. I don't go into the pool. I uh, just do it in the shower. Mark, I dare you. Please try it. Oh, but consult your medical. You know, I thought about this. I thought this will never come up on a podcast about having showers because it's too personal. No, I. But it's come up. Yeah, it is. But but listen, the showers are rounds. So like, I'll I'll do a regular shower and then I'll go scorching hot, cold, scorching hot, cold. I'll do three rounds and then end on cold. Oh, revolutionary. Why are we talking about this? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, that's why I'm so oh, well, you either handsome hot and all that other or stuff. Cold. If oh. you're lukewarm, you get out of the shower. Exactly. So you I go do back love Alamode. Like I love cold ice cream with like a hot chocolate chip cookie. Mm. That's about as close to contrast showering hot as I get. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, it'll change your life. Anyway, I can imagine. Hey. You know, I just want to think. I've been hitting my head against a wall every morning, and it feels so good when I stop. <laughs> <laughs> And that's why uh, everyone should do it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel alive. Yeah. <laughs> All right, friends, we have a comment. This is from Amanda and Joe. My 12-year-old listens. Thank you so much for your ministry to the Lord and starting this podcast. It is such a blessing to our family. I, the dad, like to listen during work and family trips, and the others do so as well. I found out... The other day, my 12-year-old son, Justice, has been listening to the podcast and lots of times beats me to them. He has been reading his Bible more regularly and wanting us to have more family devotions. Wow. That's awesome. Here he goes again. Uh, He is inspired by your passion for the lost and love for the Lord. I did not know what I would think about this podcast at first since it didn't have live evangelism, but I really like the wisdom and depth of the topics. I think your theology is spot on. My son agrees too. Joe P. P.S. Easy singing is beautiful. Oh, <laughs> ruins the entire Brilliant, testimony. enlightened man. Does that really say that, the P.S.? Yes, it does. See, Oscar, Oscar Ruins sees. the entire testimony. Yeah. You know, I was in Starbucks Saturday. I took Kylie to go Just to her, you got her out place. Of <laughs> <laughs> I was reading through some of the comments, and I was sitting there in Starbucks bawling my eyes oh, out. Really? Just on this one, too. My Just pastor preached about us. Starbucks the other day and how their aroma of coffee is so important to them. He read an article on it and how they... they their aroma is the important aroma to them? The coffee smell is what brings people into there. And they, they were make, making sandwiches and they stopped making sandwiches because they couldn't think how to make the smell go out and bring people in. Seriously? Because you know, the whole thing is... I hate coffee, but I love the smell of coffee. That's just weird. Yeah. Same as uh, pipe smoking. I love the smell of a, a pipe smoker. Not the smoker, the pipe. <laughs> <Back up>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, seriously, if I was a restaurant owner, and I wonder if some restaurants do this, I would get fans to blow, you know, that. I'm the, sure there's Disney, a lot of fans Disneyland that does that. do that. Do yeah, they Disneyland. seriously? Disneyland pipes the smell of cookies into Main Street. No way. Yeah, like baked, <laughs> freshly baked cookies in Main Street. That's brilliant. I've asked people that work for In-N-Out if they do that, because when I ride past oh, In-N-Out on my bike, I just, it's just like oh, going I through a, a you sea know, You know smell. exactly what it is when you smell it. Yeah, like, yeah when I was a kid, corner. I remember watching this cartoon, and it had this, uh, this like, aroma in the shape of a hand. It, like, would go out, oh, and, yes. the, and it would, you know, pull, pull you in. That's what it's like. That's like sin. Yeah. This podcast is brought to you by Scientific Facts in the Bible. Ray, this is one of your best-selling books. Yeah, I'm amazed. It's uh, it's 
<laughs> Who can believe it? And, and, and then you did a you did a video that became one of our top videos. Yes, and it was done on my iPad about six years ago before I started it prop doing correct editing. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm amazed that that's gone so well. But it really shows that appeals to the ungodly. I often give that book when I'm witness to someone, and they go, "Wow, I'm going to read this." Yeah, that's a good one. So make sure to check it out, friends, along with Evidence Study Bible at livingwaters.com. All right, guys, today we are talking about the magical marvels of meekness. I was just saying to the guys, I hope they've got more than me because I've got 11 seconds on meekness. <laughs> go, <laughs> go, go now, it, go. Huh? <laughs> and I have less. Meekness, meekness, meekness. meekness. So it's all Oscar and easy. We'll be well, listening, sitting at your feet. Yes, the meek can speak about meekness, so we will. Did you guys else? know that meek backwards is keem? <laughs> <laughs> we are really hurting. I'm just trying to fill the time here. Let's examine every letter of meek. <laughs> so here, here's the, the King James Version dictionary definition of meek. Mm. Mild of temper, soft, gentle, not easily provoked or irritated, yielding, given to forbearance under injuries. And That's it, me when everything's going my way. <laughs> yeah, it's easy to be meek, isn't it? Oh, when, yes. When things are flowing. And then the, the verse, Numbers 12, now the man Moses was very meek above all men. Who wrote that? Right? I always, <laughs> always think about that. There goes uh, part of my message. Uh, the other definition of it is appropriately humble in an evangelical sense, submissive to the divine will, not proud, self-sufficient or refractory, not peevish and apt to complain of divine dispensations. Christ says, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest to your souls. So could you define peevish for me? I think I know what it means. That's easily upset. Yeah, just kind of like, you know, when people say I'm peeved, I'm, I'm upset, I'm irritated, I'm, I'm pet peeves. peeves. Yeah. Easy as a walking thesaurus. <laughs> What's another word for thesaurus? Um, Rafuxi. Synonym. Okay. Rafuxi. Have you heard of Rafuxi? Neither <laughs> have I. I made it up. It sounds nice. You know, most of our programs just have like 10 minutes of silliness. I think we might be going through the 44s. <laughs> 44 <laughs> I think so. Uh, you know, often meekness is mistaken as weakness. Well, it goes um, my 11 seconds. <laughs> meekness is not weakness. Uh, I said this in a sermon one time. Uh, meekness is actually strength. But it's not uncontrolled and abusive strength. It is strength under control for the benefit of other people. It is power that is channeled to and for the good of others. And we tend to lack weakness when we're in a state of fear or pride or insecurity. There are different ways that we can uh, display meekness. There's godly meekness and there's worldly meekness, but we can... Let me use an analogy for worldly meekness to, to better understand godly meekness. I have a friend who is a pro MMA fighter. He's my neighbor, actually. Nobody, have you nobody him? famous. I've not fought him. Nobody famous, but you know he's like five and zero oh right now. So he does have a pro card. He's got a record. He's undefeated. And it's so funny because we, we play basketball together, and somebody will go to box him out, and he'll be like, "Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! You're hurting me. You're hurting me." You know, he's he's very mild with his mm. strength. One time somebody started to kind of get rowdy on the court and he was like, hey man, don't don't hurt me, man, don't hurt me. I'm just here to, you know, in other words, he displayed meekness. He had confidence in his own personal power and strength in those situations, but he just displayed meekness for the benefit of other people. That's a a power meekness, right? That's a That's a worldly version of meekness, but we should have that same kind of spiritual meekness when it comes to 
who we are in Christ, when it comes to what God has blessed us with, the stewardship we have over our spiritual gifts, over our wisdom, over the things that God has handed to us, spiritual meekness is recognizing that the strength that we have comes from the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's not ours to boast over, but God's to put on display. Mm. So isn't that epitomized by Jesus uh, standing Uh, before Pilate, Mm. standing before the Herodian soldiers that plucked his beard and mocked him, on the cross (laughs) before the Pharisees that says, if you're the son of God, come down. All the lightnings that they've ever flashed were at his fingertips. He could have just frizzed them in a second. So good. You know, you think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when the soldiers came for him, you know, and... I am he, and boom, they fly back, they fall back, you know, and then, and then Peter takes out his sword, slashes the, the, you know, the servant of the high priest, cuts his ear off, and then Jesus says to him, do you not know that my father can send 12 legions yeah. of angels? Yeah. How many really? is that? Oh, I, I don't know the exact number. More but than it's necessary. <laughs> Maybe yes. one of you should look it up. Mark, what is it? It's Mark? like six to 10,000 per legion. I thought so it was 12,000. 72,000 yeah. plus. It's a lot. He could have said, I am, you were. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, say that. Well, that's, that? yeah. that's not original. But, I mean, that is meekness, power yeah. under control. Like, do you understand? Like, one angel can wipe out the planet mm. and decimate it. 12 legions of angels. But he, he controlled that power, you know, for a divine purpose. It's to secure our redemption. Who? His enemy's redemption. Like, it's not just power under control. It's power under control connected to immeasurable love. Wow. Can I, you, you confessed heinous sin in the last episode, Easy. So let me take my turn now and confess. And sin. then I'll confess yours. Yeah. Go ahead. No, let me, let me just... As I, as I was preparing for this, I thought back to when I first became a Christian. I lacked meekness in my evangelism. You know, I, I used to be a former atheist. I was a militant atheist. I used to walk up to Christians and try to belittle them as much as possible, both when I was in high school and then in my college years. And then I became a Christian, and I took that same kind of pride into my evangelism. I enjoyed making people feel small and stupid. I can be quick-witted. And, you know, if you're listening, if you were my friend and you were listening to me as a Christian talk to an atheist, you'd be like, oh, you got him, man. You got it. You know, you'd be riled up in, in a way that you were excited about the truths that I was spitting out. It's gotcha evangelism. It's gotcha yeah. evangelism. I, I lacked meekness in my evangelism. In, in my, my what, what I realized was, the way in which I approached uh, Christians as an, as an atheist should be totally different than the way I approach atheists as a Christian. Yeah. And yet it wasn't. You see, my my knowledge, the truth that I had lacked wisdom. I wrote this down. Truth without wisdom and meekness is like ingredients that haven't been baked. Here's what I mean by that. I think I've used this as an analogy before on the podcast, but you know, we can have truth, but if it lacks meekness and wisdom, it's not palatable. It's not something that somebody can enjoy. It's like you showing up to a Thanksgiving dinner and I put on the table a raw turkey with some cayenne and some salt hmm. all separated from each other. And I'm like, it's Thanksgiving, eat up. Juicy. Right? It's well, yeah, <laughs> juicy in the wrong kind of ways, right? Is it truth? Yeah. But truth without wisdom and meekness is not something that someone can digest. It's not palatable to a person. It requires wisdom and meekness to 
bake truth together so that it can potentially be palatable to the person. And, and here's a couple, three verses that really convicted me back in the day. The first is Proverbs 1, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I was not approaching conversations with the fear of the Lord. Mm. I didn't fear man, but I also wasn't fearing the Lord in those conversations. Wow. Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will strengthen your path. I was leaning on my own understanding in my evangelism. And then last and probably the biggest one, James 3, 13 to 18. I just want to point out how wisdom and meekness and humility are like two sides of the same coin. Wisdom should never lead to pride, boastfulness, or arrogance. Listen to this. Who is wise in understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in meekness and wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. See, that was me. I had truth, but I was false to the truth. I was jealous. I was selfish. I was ambitious. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in the peace by those who make peace. Mm. Our meekness should transform our knowledge into peacefulness in the lives of the people around us. Mm -hmm. Hey, listener. Have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has $100 that's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. Yeah, I love how that verse in James, in the New King James, it says, the meekness of wisdom. You know, wisdom is, is being defined as, as having an attribute of meekness to it. You know, when we walk in wisdom, in other words, it leads us toward meekness because we recognize the folly of the converse, you know, of not being a person who, who is meek, who just unleashes whatever power they might have to, to damage and to harm others. Yeah, w wisdom is the application of knowledge. It's the true application of knowledge. Yeah. You may know that you should not drink gasoline. It'd be unwise for you to drink gasoline. Wisdom's gonna actually keep you away from drinking gasoline. Yeah. You know, I heard somebody define meekness, not just as 
power under control, as Warren Wiersbe says, and as our dictionaries uh, tell us. But it's so meekness is not thinking lowly of yourself, but it's rather not thinking of yourself, mm-hmm. right? It's and it's not a completely emptying of yourself. It's just no, my mind is already set on someone else. I have a vision for my life, and my vision is to walk with God in simplicity. What does this current situation circumstance help me to propel forward God's will for my life so that I can walk in the work which he's prepared beforehand? When your eyes are on the Lord and the storm is tumultuous, you're just not moved when things come your way. When things start to get difficult, you're going to respond in the Spirit. So meekness is a true response in the Spirit of enjoying what God is doing, even though it is difficult. Mm. We can embrace the trial because we know the one who is handing us the trial, and he's going to be with us in the trial, even embracing it for us. Right. Oh, go ahead, right. No, you go ahead and ask I was going to ask question. you a question, but say what you're going to say. I was going to say, uh, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, anything you know, and they're foolishness to him. And when it comes to meekness, I think it's a huge un- misunderstanding of what the world thinks is meekness and what we think. Is meekness, the mm. biblical definition. Meek, geek, weak, all coast <laughs> like, all, all one and the same. And uh, so when I looked up quotes from famous people on meekness, I just kept getting the stuff that was just so off. Like J. Mm. Paul Getty said, the meek shall inherit the earth, but not the mineral rights. <laughs> In other words, those weak people that stand oh, over there, they're wow. going to get the earth, but I'm going to get the money that comes from the thing. And wow. I learned something about J. Paul Getty. Are you familiar with him? Yeah. I was at his museum on uh, Saturday How's afternoon. He doing? Oh, really? This Saturday? Yeah. This past Saturday, I was at wow. the Getty Museum. Yeah. And he's very famous, and his name's synonymous with being a miser. Yes. Mm. And I've always said that, and I just had to just catch myself and think, think about it twice because. I read where he had a, a payphone installed in his museum, and he's famous for that, but I didn't know the story behind it. People were using the phone in the museum and raking up hundreds of dollars just for one phone call. So I said, if you'll make a call, you're going to have to pay for it. So it made me rethink, have I been spreading <laughs> gossip and slander about <laughs> and Getty? Slander about Getty when, you know, there's other things. That when his son was kidnapped, he didn't want to pay grandson. the ransom, millions yeah. and millions of dollars. And he said, look, if I pay this. Grandson, isn't it? Yeah. Grandson, if, if I pay this, I've got 14 grandchildren, they're all going to be in jeopardy. Mm. And so it just made me pull back and think, I wonder if I've mischaracterized the guy. Wow. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Ray, let me ask you this. Do you think that selfishness would be kind of the opposite of meekness? Do you see meekness as, as having a selfless element to it? Yeah, I think it's thinking of, boy, that's a very good question. You're going to have to give me five minutes to think about it. It's really, really deep. We'll be um, back in five minutes. Why, why would I lack meekness? Because I want my own way. Right. Meekness is giving way to your own way. It's, it's mm. discipleship. It's yielding your will to God's will. You know, I, this just popped into my mind right now. It almost gave me kind of the chills. It's one of those like revelation moments, but... Can you guys imagine how many sort of periphery issues in our lives would be dealt with if we really dealt with selfishness? I mean, it's such a root cause to so many other sins in our lives. And I was just thinking about how, you know, some people get so stirred up to become experts in certain areas. You know, they study a topic to death. You know, if it's martial arts, they want to study every martial art, get a black belt. and everyone. I would love to become the expert in selflessness. I have a PhD in sinning. <laughs> I'm very good at yeah, it. Yeah, I have like a quadruple PhD in that. But I, I want, you know what I'm saying? I would love to become an expert in selflessness. So what would that person look like? 
It would look like, no, no, no. Oh, boy, I was hitting on a certain spiritual <laughs> It would be Jesus, yes. the, the epitome of selfishness incarnate. Yeah. But I, 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 I say I selfishness long... incarnate. Selflessness. Wow. Repent, Ray. Selflessness incarnate. In case you ever wondered if Ray's wrong. <laughs> but I, I, I really want that in my life. You know, I want to be selfless. I want to be concerned about the affairs of God's kingdom. That's going to lead to meekness. And that's what Charles Wesley said. He said, uh, the person who bears and suffers evils with meekness and silence is the sum of a Christian man. Wow, I love Virgin that. Virgin said something similar. We are all of us remarkably good-tempered while we have our own way. But the true meekness, which is a work of grace, will stand the fire of persecution and will endure the test of enmity, cruelty, and wrong, even as the meekness of Christ did upon the cross of Calvary. Oh. Hmm. And it does something to our enemies to see that, you know, to see that. I mean, you think of Jesus. He, he didn't answer on many occasions. Yeah. He just was silent. I mean, a fraction of a wink from his divine eye could obliterate the entire universe. I don't think you're describing it in the correct way. <laughs> a quarter of a fraction of a... That's <laughs> too much. But you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. and here he was, like a sheep led to the slaughter, you know, and he willingly did that. No one takes my life from me. I willingly lay it down. Do you know what a Judas sheep is? A who what, huh? A Judas sheep. No. It's a sheep they use to lead lambs or other sheep to the slaughter. It walks up that ramp and it turns to the left and the sheep just goes straight ahead and gets slaughtered. It's called a Judas sheep. Oh, seriously? Seriously. That's an actual thing? That is an actual thing. I'm from sheep country, buddy. Ooh. Mm. How many sheep are in New Zealand, Ray? Well, there's something like 40 million, but they're not sure the exact... Ah, how can I still laugh? absolutely no self-control. They're not sure the exact amount because the guy that counts them keeps falling to sleep. Do you know what you call Do you know what you call a herd of sheep falling down a hill? Tell us. Lamb slide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, friends, send in nasty emails to Oscar because, <laughs> because Oscar continually wastes amazing dad jokes because he tells them to us before... We start recording the podcast. I do that on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it, Oscar. It's frustrating. You lack meekness. Um, look, gentleness and meekness are oftentimes paired up hand in hand. J Jerry Bridges does this. I want you guys to listen to this. He said, gentleness is an active trait describing the manner in which we should treat others. Meekness is a passive trait describing the proper Christian response when others mistreat us. Mm -hmm. This would be a good one for us to, to kind of dive deeper into. He goes on, he says, but gentleness and meekness are born of power, not weakness. There is a pseudo gentleness that is effeminate and there is a pseudo meekness that is cowardly. But a Christian is to be gentle and meek because those are godlike virtues. We should never be afraid, therefore, that the gentleness of the spirit means weakness of character. It takes strength, God's strength, to be truly gentle. You know, our pastor said something this Sunday, Mark. You heard him. Did and you? His, I yeah, was. Great. <laughs> Actually, I listened to part of the message on the way back from speaking out of church. Oh, you were speaking? I didn't get oh, finished. That's right. You didn't hear him. But maybe you did catch this in the part you listened to. But he was, he was talking about being filled with God's spirit and, and being a people who are, you know, it was Ephesians 5, 18 to 21. Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation. Be filled with the spirit. But he said, look, he said, listen, the Christian life is not hard. 
It's impossible, right? And I thought, man, this is so good. It's true. It is impossible. It's beyond hard. And that's why we need God's Spirit to enable us and empower us to do it. It's laced with the divine because the things that we're called to do are so contrary to both our sinful nature and to our intuition Mm. as people. My natural default, my instinct, if you would, is not to be nice to people that aren't nice to me. You know, it's it's not to walk away when I have the power to to bring someone under my control, whether it's physical or verbal. Hmm. It, it's to get on top. It's to win. It's hmm. to defeat. It's to decimate. Boy, you, you reminded me when I was at Bible college of a story that my professor had said. He said he was at a pastor's conference with a couple of the pastors, and a gentleman came up to him to the, the senior pastor that was in the middle, and he said, you need to repent. And the senior pastor got down on his knees, and he said, Father, forgive me. <laughs> oh, wow. And the person looked at him, and he said, that's better. <laughs> and he walked away. And the other two guys that were standing there, they looked at each other. These other two pastors, they looked, and they were all, all three of them were senior pastors. They looked at each other like, whoa, whoa what, what's going on? Why is he down on his knees? And he got up, he said, how do I know he wasn't sent from the Lord? Wow. Right? And I was thinking, wow, what a story of meekness. Wow. Like, well, what do you mean? What do you mean I need to repent? Right? It wasn't like that. He just humbled himself, and he has since gone home to be with the Lord. Wow. You kind of remind me of the way David responded to Shimei, you know, when he was cursing and mm. kicking up dirt, and, you know, and you scoundrel, and you... And, uh, no, seriously, I know what that story is. But didn't, he have that him, didn't, he, didn't Solomon have him put to death? Yeah, in the end, yeah. Yes. That's why I said it house and David, David originally. David told him, oh, told yeah. Solomon. He held on to it at the end. But he had the right idea at the beginning. <laughs> Started well. <laughs> right. But yeah, but he, you know, he just said, how do I know he wasn't sent from the Lord, basically? Mm. You know, and uh, go ahead, Oscar. Then he found out. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, it brings up the question is, how do we get more meekness? Mm. How do we grow in the fruits of the spirit ultimately? And I think one way to do that, there's two ways of doing that. It's having, first one is having a right view of self. And the second one is having a right view of God. Yeah. You know, David P. Murray puts it this way in regards to having a right view of self. He says, you can't buy meekness. You can't work it up. You can't just decide to be meek. The order of the beatitude instructs us that the meek are first poor in spirit. They see themselves as poor sinners who have nothing, can do nothing, and are nothing. That sense of spiritual poverty produces mourning over sin, and the mourning produces meekness. To put the first three Beatitudes another way, blessed are they who give up their love of self, their love of sin, their love of this world. It is to such that Jesus gives his unbreakable word, you shall inherit the earth. If you want the world... You have to give it up. Mm. Oh, <laughs> I love that. You know, growth downward is actually growth upward, right? When you're not thinking of yourself. And this is what we saw with John the Baptist, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I must decrease. He must increase. Imagine if we approached every situation like that. Lord, what must I do in order for you to be glorified to the uttermost 
in this situation, in this circumstance. Imagine just pausing. And that's why I kind of pause before I leave work, before I leave the supermarket, before I leave something. I pause. I think back on what just happened, what just took place, what went right, what went wrong, what can I do? Lord, help me, because I want my life to count. I want when I'm standing in glory and looking over life's finished story to know that I left it all out on the field, that I treated this life like a battleground, not a playground, because we cannot trifle with these things that uh, are just fleeing and passing. So I, I want to ask that question, Oscar. I, I want to be that man who God can work through. You know, God, it's been said, you know, God cannot fill a full cup. Hmm. You know, do what I must do. D.L. Moody, I think, said, uh, Lord, fill me up because I have holes and I leak. Yeah. Right, that I'm continually looking, so I need that continual feeling of God's Spirit, which is what we find in God's Word. Yeah, actually, Pastor Philip quoted that this Sunday. Oh, did he? Yeah, he quoted where, where someone asked Dial Moody, are you not filled with the Spirit? He said, yes, but I leak. Oh. <laughs> the whole point <laughs> of, you know, we need to continually be filled, and that that's the tense where it says, be filled with the Spirit, be continually Continual. being filled, yes. you know? And so I think, Oscar, too, to also answer that question, I mean, really, it's... It's sitting with Christ, mm -hmm. which is a, a lost discipline anymore. You know, it's my biggest struggle. I can be pretty consistent in disciplines of reading and memorizing scripture and, and meditation and reading books. And, but the discipline of, of willing myself to sit quietly in the presence of God, you know, it, it's, we miss it's always a struggle. By not doing that. I think we, we miss out on uh, catching the, the uh, attributes of Christ that I think God begins to work in us when we, when we sit in his presence, pouring out our hearts before him, casting our cares upon him, asking him to change us. Because that's what sitting in his presence entails. It entails pouring our heart out and then sitting quietly before him and, and allowing the conviction of the spirit to bring things to heart and mind that we need to repent of. Mm, that's good. And walk away from, mm. you know. And scripture calls us to this, guys. Colossians 3.12, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, mm. long-suffering, and so on. We're to put this on. We're to clothe ourselves with this, like we put on our clothes every morning. You know, Mark, I love how you've talked about often how you'll salute the Lord in the morning. Lord, I'm reporting to duty. Well, along with saluting and, and reporting to duty is that the... the implication of putting your uniform on, mm. you know? I was just reading a, a book that our pastor had recommended called Make Your Bed. And it's uh, from a Navy SEAL who learned a big lesson by making his bed every single morning, oh, yeah. no matter what, you know? And he just said, when you'd begin that, it gives you a sense of accomplishment. It sets you up for the rest of the day. And it was funny, he was talking about how, you know, he was in Iraq when they captured Saddam Hussein. And the soldiers who were under him were in charge of them. So he went in charge of Saddam Hussein. So he went to go see if, if thing, everything was okay. And he went into Saddam Hussein's room. He said, it was interesting. Saddam Hussein never made his bed. <laughs> you know, I thought that was a funny, funny takeaway. But, you know, he was just, he was talking about, what was I even, I don't even remember. What oh, but that's a was. good story. That <laughs> what? You guys remember what I was good. saying? Make your bed. Um, yeah. I just looked it up. There's a, a, a Navy SEAL giving a speech called Make Your Bed. It's had uh, 17 million views. Is that Jocko? Yeah. Um, no. Oh, yeah. It was a, it, he, the, the book was birthed out of a speech he gave at yeah. a graduation ceremony. Yeah. Right. And then it went viral. And then, you know. This but, is talking about self-respect, isn't it? Make your bed. 
Yeah, just about discipline and responsibility yeah. and, and accomplishment, yeah. you know, doing if things. Things don't go right that day. Yeah. At least you come home to a made bed. Yeah. Yeah. Start afresh tomorrow. But, you know, he was just talking about the, the, that whole issue of, you know, being a soldier. Oh, that's what it was. He was there talking about getting inspected. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Ding. It's so weird how your mind goes on these trails. Squirrels. No, it's he, all that hot, cold he, showers. He, part of it was... If <laughs> 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 oh, your brain's gone freezing. Yeah. No, he so wants to say it right now. Uh, Can we change the subject? He, no, <laughs> he was talking about Guacamole. getting his bed getting inspected. That's where it came by. And, and also his uniform getting inspected. You know, and how they like would check every part of the uniform. It had to be perfect, or else. I mean, they were they they had to go and do massive like exercises if if one thing was off. But that just brought to mind the whole thing of putting on. You know, dress ourselves in meekness every morning Easy. as we salute the you Lord. You talk about yeah. uh, what are, what do the military say about arriving on time? Oh, early is on time. On time is late. Late is unacceptable. Yeah, I yeah. love it. And when they make the bed, they. Drop a quarter off. Yeah, the he bed. talked about that. He said yeah. they bounce a quarter. Yeah, you know, to make sure that it was it, it's all flat and made right. I love I love discipline. Ah, it's just it, it, for the military, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> so do the hot cold showers. What would they do if they showed up, checked your bed, and there was a giant hole in it? <laughs> Where did the quarter go? It's lost. That's how I can make my money. Bell and Ray's Grand Canyon. It's full of quarters. Bed. When I got home from my uh, speaking engagement yesterday, you know, my kids were. They came out and they greeted me, except for one. One was in the back. He was laying down on the couch. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, you ungrateful individual. <laughs> but no, I went <laughs> out and I saw it? him. He was reading a book. And mm. the book was Disciplines of a Godly Man Ooh. Uh, by R. Kent Hughes, which we've read oh, you know, quite a few times. Favorites. I'm reading it with uh, Luke right now, yeah, my son. Yeah, I see that. But I was just so blessed to see that uh, my son, Nathaniel, was desirous of wanting to have a life that is disciplined mm. after what the Lord desires for him. Oh, it's wow. so good. Yeah, I mean, discipline is really the common thread that you'll see in the lives of godly men and women throughout history. You, 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 you have nothing without discipline. And Arkant Hughes talks about that in the book. Discipline is everything, really, when you think about it. And, and I'm thinking about it. And honestly, that, that, is one, that is one of the reasons, too, I enjoy the cold plunges. and I, it, it just pushes me. You know, it, it births in me this discipline that... that I think trickles over in other areas of life. I endured this, I can endure other things, you know? So, um, exactly. so when, we're, this, when we're persecuted and imprisoned, <laughs> what's that? That's why people listen to the podcast. Yeah. No, that's where you're like, sure. I endured this, I can endure to the build podcast. Endurance. Uh, Jonathan Edwards said, there were earnest longings that all God's people might be clothed with humility and meekness like the Lamb of God and feel nothing in their hearts but love and compassion to all mankind and great grief when anything to the contrary appeared in any of the children of God as bitterness, fierceness of zeal, censoriousness, or reflecting uncharitability on others or disputing with any appearance of heat of spirit. I mean, he, he's talking about being clothed in such a way that we grieve over seeing the lack of meekness and these other virtues in the lives of our brethren. That's when things really hit a place where, you know, love is combined. Dave Harvey said this. He said, meekness has nothing to do with being weak or passive. Meekness is power harnessed by love. Mm. It is an expression of humility that will not bristle or defend when challenged about motives. That's good. You know? Well, we talk about the meekness of Jesus, but you think the meekness of the Father. Having, uh, oh. holding back his wrath. Yeah. 
everyone. for the sake of the repentance of the ungodly. Yeah. That's some meekness. Yeah, and then meekness, you know, again, one of the definitions of meekness is submission to the divine will. Mm. Matthew Henry said, the meek are those who quietly submit themselves to God, to his word and to his rod, who follow his directions and comply with his designs and are gentle toward all men. Mm. (laughs) Matthew Henry was amazing. When you think of what he did, his accomplishment. Talk about a discipline. Yeah, he was extraordinary. But guys, don't you see that oftentimes when we lack meekness, it's in connection with not wanting to submit to God's ways. Totally. You know, wanting our way as opposed to his. And isn't that the height of foolishness? Mm. That's exactly what I was just going to say. Boy, and that's just the height of foolishness. And you said it, so I won't say it. <laughs> say again. it. No, say I won't it, say it. it. I don't want to reiterate Seriously, it. I think it's the height of foolishness. What do you, you think? think? It's almost like if foolishness could get really high, that's what you'd that find there. Mean, that's what it would yeah. be right there. Yeah, yeah. And, and isn't it interesting too? I mean, Oscar, you you talked about your wicked, evil, heinous sin uh, <laughs> back when you <laughs> were a newer believer. But the verse that is oftentimes quoted for apologetics purposes is First Peter three fifteen. And think think about what it says. But sanctify mm. the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness yeah. and fear. Boy, how often do you hear that quoted in that last part be left yeah, off? Yeah, totally. Right? Yeah, uh, very often. I just uh, or even the next verse after that. Yeah, well, or, all, or the verse too. after that, all the way to twenty two twenty. So, how would you define <laughs> how buffoons? Would you, Meekness and godly fear, what would that be like? What would that do to us to share the gospel? The implications of having a godly fear are massive. Yesterday, the day before, it was Saturday, Mormons came and knocked on my door and, and they switched out every six months. So every six months I get new Mormons. So these guys came up and you know I, I had the time. So I stepped outside and started to have a conversation with them. And as I started to get into what I said, I saw one of them, their demeanor changed pretty quickly. And I just kind of sensed like he's probably... He's probably had a conversation recently with 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 a Christian, you know. And so I said, "Hey, have you have you heard this before? Do you feel like you've had a conversation with somebody like this before?" And he's like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "How did that go?" And he was like, "Oh, you know, the guy was he was a little rude and disrespectful, you know." And 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 so I go, "Hey, man, you know, I'm I'm sorry about that. I don't want to be that like that with you. How about this? I think I know what you believe, but maybe I have a misunderstanding. I'd love to learn from you." And in turn, you might think you know what I'm about to say and what I believe, but in turn, could you maybe just keep an open mind and learn from me? And immediately, like his disposition to me changed, you know? The point is, is that somebody had a conversation with this young man and did not display meekness, potentially displayed arrogance and pride, lacking self-control. As we pointed out before, the Lord has been so patient with us. For us to be able to be evangelists in light of the gospel is to recognize that we believe in what we believe, not because we've gained some Gnostic wisdom that other people don't have, not because we've climbed some moral ladder and puts us above other people. We believe what we believe because God sovereignly revealed it to us. And if it's not for the grace of God, we are beggars. And if we approach our evangelism with that, it will cause meekness in our hearts because we recognize we have something and we simply want this person to have that same thing. So what you're talking about is empathy, 
goes hand in hand with meekness. Yeah. Yeah. I love this by Martin Lloyd-Jones. He said, the man who is meek is not even sensitive about himself. He's not always watching himself and his own interests. He is not always on the defensive. To be truly meek means we no longer protect ourselves because we see there is nothing worth defending. The man who is truly meek never pities himself. He is never sorry for himself. He never talks to himself and says, you are having a hard time. How unkind these people are not to understand you. Again, I'm, it goes I'm back not, to selflessness. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it goes back to selflessness. It goes back to love doesn't seek its own. It goes back to forgetting ourselves and thinking about God and his glory, mm. getting angry only when that's violated. Okay. And that's righteous indignation. And then how it manifests itself toward others. Honestly, the truly meek person will demonstrate that meekness in the way they deal with others who sail who fail in sin, who sail and fin. That's a spoonerism, yeah, isn't it? That's who hard. fail and sin. And and again, that comes down to what it says in Galatians 6.1, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such one in a spirit of gentleness. Again, that idea of gentleness and meekness being combined. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. You know, that's the only time that I think looking at self is appropriate. It, it's when we, when we consider what we're capable of because of our sinfulness and who we are without Christ. Mm. And then we can look at a brother or sister who has failed, who has sinned, who has broken. And instead of judging them, looking down on them, being condemning, we can enter the world with gentleness and meekness and help restore them. Amen. Amen. So, well, I guess we did have a lot to say about meekness. So much for a few seconds, guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was great. And uh, we hope you've been encouraged, friends. That's why we're here, to encourage you. So keep telling us, please, how we've encouraged you so we can continue to do more than of the same. Don't forget to check out Scientific Facts in the Bible and the Evidence Study Bible at livingwaters.com. And again, please, podcast at livingwaters.com. That is our uh, email address. So make sure to send us emails there and keep those ratings going. We're still at five stars after so many uh, reviews. You guys are a blessing to us. So thank you for joining us. We'll see you here next time on the Living Waters Podcast, where meekly we have no idea what we're doing. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline, California. Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina. Andrea from Anderson, Indiana. Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Lowell from Yakima, Washington. Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, mate. And Dave from Will and Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.